Warning. The We All Have an X Chromosome podcast contains strong language and contains themes that may not be suitable for a workplace environment or for younger listeners. We suggest wearing headphones if you choose to listen to this podcast in a workplace environment without headphones we are not responsible for any consequences that may happen. If your two-year-old's first word is the F-bomb, it's not our fault. Listener discretion is advised. We are the children, the children of Zion. We have been left here to defend humanity's right to exist. No matter what the machines believe, we belong here, at this place, at this time. And with that, I present this revolutionary love letter to those who came before. Let's go. They call me Beat Rider, but never no heat hider. But I'm digital, fighting wars no one's hit to. Matrix division network system point two. Called the one, the neo, the novice, the noose. Rick Trinity will execute. Between the viral agents flagrant, engaged, no space to stay to take. What to take? Making model which coddle the nature of humanity. Basic preparedness. Hello, folks. It's been a thing. And today's thing, we're going to talk about the inauguration and other things that involve healing ourselves from this massive four-year dump. My name is Bill. And I'm Noelle. And we all have an X chromosome. Before we get started, I'm just going to plug a few things. Um, We're currently making some changes and adjustments. So when you go to our website, www.xchromosome.com, there's going to be a little bit of dust involved. So ignore the dust, but all the links are still there. It's being updated with all the old plugins because we moved servers for our website. Um, We're still going through and collecting some funds for uh, getting the uh, podcast hosting squared away. So if you want to help us out, there's donation links on top of our Patreon. So we got a couple of rambles that we're going to be throwing onto the Patreon before we really get started next month into Season 3, which Season 3's thing is going to be, it's a thing. So, spoilers has been retired, but when we were going through and discuss, try, trying to figure out what we're going to about doing the inauguration, Noel was like, we need to get Dr. Will on because of everything going on. So, I want to go and reintroduce you, Dr. Will. Hey, Dr. Will. How's it going, guys? It's good to be back. It's good to have you back. Um, we've kind of needed this because yeah, um, it, it's, it's been a thing. I was just you know, as you were introducing it, I'm like, that's the perfect way to describe everything. It has been a yeah. thing. Yes, it's been intense. Is also another way of describing it. And the reason I was very drawn to needing to get you back on the show for this this period in time moment however this thing that's happening is from november 3rd i've i personally and i've noticed it in other people i know that have dealt with abusive relationships we've all been kind of extra edgy because it to me felt very like the similar situation of decisions been made we're just got to pack our shit got to figure it out how to get out of here what's the plan you know but we can't leave <laughs> you know the, the the problem is he's still going to be in the house so to speak even when he's out of office how that moment where we didn't 
where I didn't feel like I had control. And then the treasonous attack on the Capitol building on the 6th of January had that explosive response feel to it. And um, this got put to Patreon, but I had a cancellation in my schedule um, the following day because that particular patient was not up to dealing with anything after watching that unfold. And we've had some talks and we've shared some of our shared history. And I was like, we need a subject expert's thoughts and knowledge on how collectively and individually to start processing what has happened to us as a nation so that we can get to the work that needs to be done. Because if we're all still carrying around this tension and this, you know, we just try to suppress the trauma and be like, okay, it's over. We can move on. New president. Everything's fine. Start from square one. Pretend nothing happened. That's not going to actually prepare us to do what we need to do. So that's kind of where we're at um, in my thinking and having you on. And I might be completely off base in my feelings, but it was it was kind of a triggery couple of months. Yeah, um, I think that is a, a very interesting perspective to look at it from uh, through the lens of an abusive relationship, because there are elements of that. And then the deeper question is kind of finding out what perspective are we viewing this from? So, you know, you could be the person who's, um, you know, the person who's who's being abused. Right. That's one perspective. Mm -hmm. But I actually think if we're using that analogy, it's more like the 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 government is the is the is the the culprit in this. Mm -hmm. And America is the abused party. And we're like Mm -hmm. the kids in the middle watching the whole thing. Like, what is going on? Um, Okay. so, you know, you you had this idea of what America is supposed to be. And we all were raised to believe that. And then you have one day um, dad or mom starts tripping and Mm -hmm. we're like, where did this come from? This is new. This is not what we thought it was. Um, But the reality is maybe it was that way. And only now are we just getting to see it. I think one of the things that this uh, administration, this outgoing administration has done is a lot of the covert stuff that used to be kind of taboo is now gone. And we got to see a lot of this stuff right in front of our eyes. Um, Mm -hmm. Things that we didn't think that administrations and and government parties did, uh, or we at least believed that they didn't. And, you know, this guy and his his whole team were just like, no, we're going to do it. Um, So we're in the middle, like, wait, wait, this is new. And then there's all that also that element of, is it really, though? Like, is it is it really? Um, I think Donald Trump's biggest flaw is that, or one of his biggest flaws? I guess that's that's a that's a very broad uh, <laughs> that's a very broad uh, thing to say. He has a lot of flaws, but um, he didn't care. He didn't care what what it looked like to everyone. He really only cared what it looked like to his base, and his base unfortunately took that as an opportunity to act out. And then that's the first time we got to see Dad hit Mom. Oof. Because you, using the analogy about the kids part, now you have a riled up base, which is, could be considered like 
the kids that are like, oh, now we're going to be with dad and dad is cool and dad's doing everything that we've always wanted our dad to do. And we get to be how we want to be and we can beat up on our little brothers and little sisters that might be different and keep them in line. And because they're now, now daddy's gone to mom threw daddy out to go get a pack of cigarettes. And will he ever return? Yeah. Um, that's a part that's a part of it too like that that base they got their go-ahead and exactly like you say now what we always really wanted to do but knew that we couldn't do because it was quote-unquote wrong well now we have that example now we have that go-ahead to do that thing and um you know in that scenario the 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 uh the partner who's receiving the abuse spends a lot of that time just trying to hold things together just trying to make things look as normal as possible. And so what we have is this idea of the way things are supposed to be and then seeing it totally not that way and then still being, we're so conditioned to question, you know, to, to expect it to be a certain way. So people became so like almost desensitized to how odd this, this last four years has been. Um, in a way it's genius. You know what I mean? Like if, if if I if I got in trouble doing something like say I don't know paying off a stripper or something, and I'm the president, um, and people go the president can't do that, and then I just go well I'm also gonna not pay my taxes. Then people go the president can't do that, but nobody's talking about the stripper thing anymore, mm-hmm. you know. And then we go hey you can't not pay your taxes. You're like well then I'm gonna go praise Vladimir Putin Putin and Kim Jong Un. And then we go, wait, the president can't do that. And if you just keep on kicking the ball further down the field, like we're only focused on the newest thing. And it seemed like with this administration, with that administration, there was a new thing every week. So the other 40 things have become Mm -hmm. almost normal, you know, which is ridiculous. But here we are. You can't contest uh, everything all the time. Right, right. It almost becomes overwhelming. It's, It's like playing the long game and exhaustion. And strategy-wise, it's genius because I think the exhaustion sets in and you just accept things kind of as they are instead of really running it down. And he also had a whole team of people who were willing to stand lockstep with him the whole time, too, which was really odd and bizarre. Um, So when you have uh, Joe Biden come in and all he has to say is something like, I care about the 400,000 people who died, that's refreshing. And that's ridiculous. The, the idea that just something that simple, something like that should be the first thing that the president of the United States has to say. That's like not even, shouldn't even have to be written down on the notes. It's a bare minimum. The bare minimum, exactly. But now the bare minimum resets the standard because our, standard was, our standards were so low. Like we were like, can, can the president go through a day without saying something stupid? Most of the time that answer was no from my perspective, but you know. To each their own. And just the way that you described that, it's like someone who's been in an abusive relationship going with somebody else just because they have been the bare minimum of treating with respect because they're not even used to the bare minimum anymore. For sure. For sure. That goalpost has been moved. I think I really like that analogy too because it's exactly that. Like if I can get somebody who is not going to hit me they have all the past in the world to be a piece of shit otherwise because you're already 
meeting the mark as far as the thing that I just got away from. And I think even in relationships and more broadly for us as Americans, there now begins this process of not only unlearning what has become our normal, but taking advantage of the opportunity to redefine what this is supposed to be and what it's supposed to look like. Um, you know, depending on how, how, who you ask, that changes, you know, there, there's a lot of work that needed to be done anyway in this country. Um, and to some, the, the, the Trump administration just kind of made, brought that to the forefront. Um, but we've been through a lot of stuff in these last four years in terms of systemic racism and the mm-hmm. pandemic and, you know, George Floyd, Colin Kaepernick. Um, it's, it's been an entire mess. Our, our relationship with the, with the rest of the world has been fractured. And also how easily we can, we can be exposed. I think mm-hmm. that's one of, the, one of the bigger things is that, you know, you assume, you assume things like surely not just anybody can run up into the U.S. Capitol building. Like if there is an, a building in the entire country that no one should be able to infiltrate, it should be that one. And yeah. this wasn't, it wasn't a militia. This wasn't a military. This was Tom, Chris, and Jack and their homeboys. It's a lot of Chads. A lot yeah. of Chads. A lot of Kyles. Yeah. A lot of Travises. Yeah. See, yes. I tried to use I tried to use some generic names, but it, 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 you know Chad was in there for sure. Well, the culture has given this kind of person, this kind of entitled white guy. And, you know, there were some Karens and Brendas too. Because there were oh, white yeah. women there being aiding oh, yeah. and abetting the patriarchy and white supremacy, as white women of a certain persuasion are wont to do. Because if you mm-hmm. suck up to the abuser, maybe he won't hit you. He'll hit the other one. He'll hit the mouthy one. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it. that's the uh, only reason I can think of people who don't truly benefit from the power structure supporting it. Yeah, I think. I mean, and you're right. You know, we, we joke, but but it is what it is. Uh, there's a very specific demographic who did this, and mm-hmm. um, you know, it's what a lot of people have actually known for for years, and. It's almost like the audacity of some of these people to think that they can commit a federal crime and then be surprised when the FBI is like, nah, man, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't. You're, you're going to jail. Uh, and they are like, wait, wait, you know, my, my rights. You, you see the, with the guy who the, the dude with the horns who said he, he went to jail and wouldn't eat because he couldn't get an organic diet. And... I just I have so many things to say about that person um, as a reenactor, as somebody of Celtic descent, of somebody with reddish hair, which means that whole idea that that that's a Norse thing. They brought that to Ireland. You know, just everything about him. I just... Let me go through and uh, talk about the um, cultures in this regard of the uh, the supremacists or the people that are involved in the cult of uh, magma. Um, now, and the QAnon cult. Yeah, but I want to, I want to talk about, uh, basically, um, I'm going to say me in this case. Um, okay. Because one of the things that I've always said about myself is that if I was stuck in Alabama or Louisiana when I was living in the Deep South, I could have very well have been one of these people because of my basically I was with 
anybody that would take me, so to speak, so I wouldn't be lonely and things of that nature. And many of the people that I was surrounded by would be doing this very thing that's happening. I don't talk to any of those people anymore since I moved to the liberal Northeast. But I always say that the reason I'm a liberal might be because I'm in the liberal Northeast. But besides the point, um, I would know at some point that what was going on is wrong. What would you go through and suggest to those that are realizing, you know something? I just have been supporting this guy for four years. I voted for him because he said some funny things on TV, and I laughed at them. And I'm realizing that what I've been supporting has been wrong. And I foolishly voted for the guy again in the next time. How do I pull myself away from this toxic element that I've let invade my body and mind for the past four years? How do I make sure it doesn't happen again? Um, I think I think you have to look internal. Um, you have to be willing to look internal. Um, and what I mean by that is yeah, environment certainly plays a factor into your thinking and and the way that you act and the things that you do, for sure. But the part where you said, I realized that this was not right is the part that people can't be, they can't skip over. I think after a certain point, if, if you can recognize the decision that you make that puts you on that path, in my opinion, you are there by relieved of all the excuses and it becomes your responsibility. Um, one of the analogies, oddly enough, one of the analogies that I've always used to, to, to describe that is if you say, as a kid, I watched my grandfather hit my grandmother and I didn't like it. Then I watched my father hit my mother and I didn't like it. Now I have a wife and I know this is wrong, but it's the way that my family is. And you hit your spouse. That is not a that is not a trend. That is not because of history. That's because you made the decision. If you can recognize in that moment that happened and I did not like it, that is the, that's the mesh point. That's the point where you decide, am I going to continue down this path or am I going to make the personal decision internally to act the way that I think that I should act? And um, so for the people who have kind of sold themselves to this, this the MAGA movement, they have to ask themselves questions. And I, I, I have friends who, uh, I, I don't want to say that I've lost friends over this, um, but I've certainly, it certainly has changed the way that I viewed our relationship. Um, and I mean, guys that I've served in the military with or guys that I've worked with in the past who I could not even recognize during this time. And it's not really the fact that they supported somebody that I don't support because I think politics is useless and dumb. It's not really about that. It's about the fact that how can you look at me in the face as your black friend, quote unquote, and tell me that you support this rhetoric and still call me a friend? Um, and that's that's difficult because, um, you know, your decisions and your choices say a lot about say more about who you are than what you when your mouth does. Um, so as much as I'd like to sit here and have this conversation with you and, and talk to you about old times and believe that you truly have my best interest at heart, like I believe that I have yours, you know, you can't tell me that you don't agree that black lives matter. Like I'm literally a black life. Like that's, that's difficult. So when it comes to things like that, 
those persons are, are challenged to look internally. And it's going to be a difficult time right now because their team lost. So there's going to be people, you know, even you see Mitch McConnell and you see, you know, some of the people who are Trump's biggest supporters are now starting to, you know, only like two days before his term ends, backtracking on some of their comments. You know, I think McConnell said the other day that the, the mob that attacked the Capitol was directly attributed to um, him stoking that fire, him being the president at the time. Mm-hmm. But we're not like those of us who are paying attention. We know that it got to that point because of Mitch McConnell's power to enable him. So if your actions over four years has gotten him to this point and then the unthinkable happens and you can't walk it back. Now it looks like you're tr- it's like the rats jumping off the sinking ship, you know, like, oh, we're, our, our team lost. We better start saying the right things now. And that kind of ties back to what I was saying before about um, I think what really becomes of this country remains to be seen because there was a pro- there was a lot of that already in place. It's just that we had people in power who were better at making it look good. Because I was thinking I don't know about... if I answered your question. I hope I answered your question. <laughs> oh, it did, you, did, you did answer the question, but I was also thinking back to when you were speaking about um, trying to figure out what you're going to do with the decision that you have about safety matters. Um, because say that you do live in the deep, deep South and you've been supporting the the Red Hat movement and things of that nature, and you realized wow, this is all screwed up, uh, especially with the capital. What can I do? Who can I turn to? And then you're realizing that you've been following these people for that you should have been following. It's like it, it's like how people might feel about coming out because they might uh, someone that might not be able to come out of the closet or explain that might not be in a safe place to do that. So it's like coming out of like, you know, maybe I was wrong and you don't have anybody around you that might agree with you that it was wrong. And it might not be a safe place for people to um, change their mind in public because of the people around them. So that's another tough thing that people could go through and do. Not defending it, but... I just was thinking about that as you were going through and uh, expl- explaining about how you have to make your decisions from there. Uh, I think you have to do it. You have to decide, like, you got to examine the entire pro- the entire thing, like everything that's going on. Um, if you're in that scenario, and, I, and granted, I, I know that people can't just up and leave where, they're, where they live and where they've been from, but evaluate the entire situation. I feel like I don't, my beliefs don't align with the beliefs of this environment. So it now becomes not so much about... Hello? Uh-oh. He got out. This isn't good. Hello? There was a okay. deep, amazing answer there. Yeah. And it's gone now. Well, let me see if he could... I don't know if he could hear us. Blink twice if you need help. Wait, no, that's Brittany. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no? Yeah, hopefully... You might have to go through and disconnect and reconnect again. Okay. It was all a good answer. <laughs> You're such a good answer. And it's gone now. Maybe Craig could hear it, but we can't. <laughs> I know. There is... It's... Maybe he can hear us. Um, yeah. It's very... I listened to the podcast Cults by Parcast, and they literally talk about that 
the interconnectedness of cults and religious extremism and you know how and then this week on murder squad uh paul and billy talked to karen and georgia about nexium and just the having an investigator who didn't know jack shit about nexium he had no idea god bless the sweet innocent man who didn't know about that fucked up shit that's some fucked up shit. That's an entire episode. Um, <laughs> that's like a series. There's a lot of actually good podcasts and shit. And the the India Oxenberg documentary is the superior one because it's not basically PR for people who left of their own volition. Um, apparently Karen's watched and consumed everything. But to have this investigator break down this human garbage pile that is i fuck his name escapes me but the 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 fuckwit in charge of nexium keith ranieri that's who it is but just having this guy who that's his whole life and saying like yeah this guy is a is a serial sexual predator um and sexual sadist like um leonard lake and i think he mentioned the toy box killer you know where nexium was a hundred percent about and and DOS was specifically about him living out his creepy fucking sexual fantasies. Like, that was his entire life. And right. I listened to the episode twice because my mind shut off a couple times. Thanks, Paul. It's all Paul's fault. Um, because the first time he said, are any of the girls, do we have any missing girls? Just with the, have we accounted for everybody or should we be looking for some dead bodies? Or should we be looking into some suspicious deaths? And I'm like, that's horrifying. Because as, as fucked up as, as getting branded with a dude's initials in your pubic region with no anesthesia as part of a hazing ritual to be in a vaguely non-consensual, non-consensual pyramid scheme of dom-sub relationships. It, I mean, that right there. A kinky Ponzi scheme with branding is mm. fucked up just on its own and then you yeah. add in this layer of analyzing this guy from a criminal investigator perspective and how fucked up that is it's just it just keeps getting worse and he abused children and ugh. and but the point of all of this is that you know they talk about the psychology of how cult leaders build cults mm -hmm. and over the past four years Every week, twice a week, because they put out one to two part episodes, like there'll be a one shot or a couple of one shots or they'll cover a cult in two parts. They did Nexium in like four. That's how fucked up it is, is that, you know, normally they can cover it in one to two. Right. Like they covered goddamn Jonestown, I think, in two or the Mansons in two. Nexium was so bananas that they needed to greatly expand their coverage um and i think you know heaven's gate and om shinrikyo all of all of the the greatest hits of death cults past were maximum two episodes um but the more i listen to these episodes about how cult leaders work and how can we hear can we hear you now yeah man <laughs> It was a beautiful answer, wasn't it? And we didn't get a damn second of it. 
<laughs> I just went on the the longest rant ever, <laughs> and I was talking to my. I realized like these guys are really quiet. <laughs> like, should I keep going or? Yeah, I, I went into the if um I tried to ping you directly into the channel, let you know that we couldn't hear you, <laughs> um, and uh, but yeah, we're like we're just sitting here like listening to you about that, and then it's like. You Go stopped, on. but we could tell that you were still talking because your name was lit was white, and it means that there's still audio going. So we knew you were still going, and it's like, yeah. no, and they're like, maybe he can still hear us. And they <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all start talking well, about cults. I would pause every now and then, and like, okay, is somebody going to jump in? <laughs> I guess they want me to keep going. All right, and another thing. <laughs> Um, ah, but, technology. Yeah, technology. But we, what you were last, we're last talking about with you, um, about you were talking about. You have to look at the whole picture about how you're going to make your decision with everything involved, including um, your own safety. Uh, with that, for sure, for sure. Um, did you hear the Facebook part? I did not. We did not. Okay. So my 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 analogy was my experience on Facebook, which. Um, which I no longer like. Like I, I despise Facebook. But um, back when I first started Facebook, uh, back in the day, um, I would I would see people having these conversations about just being ridiculous, and I would try to jump in and be the savior and be the voice of reason. And I would frustrate myself because they would keep on doing it. People just keep on acting ridiculous on this site. And after a while, I had to realize that maybe it's me. This is what people do here. I'm the one who's different. And instead of trying to change everybody's thought process, maybe I'm just displaced. So that was me kind of taking in the environment and going, um, I don't really fit in right here. And that's okay. Is that when you joined Twitter? No, I joined Twitter. um, (laughs) My school actually made me join Twitter. They made me get a Twitter account uh, (laughs) as part of my uh, degree requirement. Oh, all right. Yeah, I, I, I I didn't even want to figure Twitter out. And... One day I decided, you know what, I'd rather, if I'm going to talk to people and they're going to be ridiculous, I'd rather be people that I don't know instead of like my, my family and friends. So uh, I don't, some people just started paying attention to me at some point. Twitter just became a lot more fun. Um, uh, but, but yeah, it, it's, it's about evaluating the entire environment. And I think, um, I don't know if this part got captured on the first part, but maybe Louisiana is not for me. Maybe Alabama's not for me. Because my thought process has changed, and this environment is okay with that life. So that's what I mean by evaluating the entire environment, the entire scenario. It's not just about maybe I should change my decisions. Like maybe I'm just in, not in the right spot. Uh, so your example from when you move from down south to, to a little further north, I think you realize that your, your, your thoughts are a little more closer aligned to that environment. It doesn't mean that that environment influences you so much that now you've gone from Republican to Democrat or whatever, but you found your people. Well, to be quite honest, the reason I wound up moving is because down South, there's a lot of sucky public transportation. And I moved to a place that had good public transportation. (laughs) Um, That was my primary motivation. But, um, but at the same time, like for example, using Louisiana and Alabama, they run on federal minimum wage. So it's not like one of those things that a lot of these people that are stuck there can easily push out of. So going back right. to the uh, going back to the just the equivalencies of 
not coming out because it's not safe. It's like, yeah, my people might be elsewhere, but I'm stuck. Just like back to the abuser uh, situation. I'm stuck yeah. with my abuser. It's. I think the, it, the question becomes, do I have to participate, though? Because, I mean, that's real. Uh, I mean, if you decide in the middle of MAGA country to say you support Joe Biden, that might not be a smart move to make down there, right? But does that right. also mean that, okay, because I don't want to express my political views publicly, I must go to the Capitol and break into the building to keep, to protect my safety. You know what I mean? There, there's, right. do, do you, do you have to participate so extremely that now in the name of your safety, you are you know, committing some of these acts? Because in that case, you become the issue. You be, you are a part of it, regardless of what you're reasoning. And I mean, that's, it's a very, I think it, these are decisions that are very individually based, right? They depend on that specific scenario, those specific people, that right. specific environment. Um, but I think it starts, my advice to someone going through that would be to do that serious self-evaluation. Why do I feel this way? Maybe I admit to myself that it is important to preserve white supremacy. And that's growth, believe it or not. To, to realize that is growth. And then you understand, okay, why? Why do I feel this way? Was there an experience that happened in my life that makes me feel like this needs to be preserved? Or was, was this just my conditioning? Was this what my household was like? This is what my parents thought. And how do I really feel about these things? Am I okay with, you know, watching George Floyd die on TV and then watching this horn guy get fed organic food because he's, he Fuck that guy. Has, a, has a specific diet? <laughs> you know, I, I mean, there are, are people who are literally dying in jail because they can't pay a parking fine, and fuckboy gets fancy dinner. No, yeah, that and that's really literally what's happening. I um, know. What the <laughs> fuck? That's that's white supremacy in a nutshell. Yeah. So then you ask yourself, um, because you know clearly, you know, you, you feel how you feel about it. Are you willing to ask yourself that question? Are you willing to go, that's fucked up? Or are you going, yeah, but, or are you making excuses for it? The man's entitled to a diet that he wants to eat. These are government funds. George Floyd should have just complied and he'd be okay. Like, are you going to go down that route? And if that's the case, you are the environment. You know, it, it's not really a matter of figuring out how you go back for you. Like, if that's how, what you believe, then that's what you manifest. Um, but if it's not right, be willing to, to have that conversation with yourself to figure out why you don't like it and what you're going to do next. I had a question I completely forgot. Do you have any question right now, Noel? Um, I suppose because I went on an epic rant while we couldn't get you about how, you know, we're, there are people who are waking up from being snowed by the QAnon cult, by the Trump cult. And how do you... and needing to process the realization of oh my god i took leave of my senses what kinds of self-reflection and what kinds of work and this applies to everybody because we've all had moments where we go oh god what the fuck is wrong with me um right. over the past four years um i was making gallows humor jokes earlier today because trauma and maladaptive coping mechanisms um I won't repeat them. They were in they were inappropriate. 
Um, yeah, that's, but, um, that, that takes personal work. Um, and... Yeah, how do you start that personal work? Because there are probably a lot of people, not that they listen to the podcast, but people who listen to the podcast might have family that are coming out of the illusion, questioning, you know, that they're in that state of, my cult is a bunch of fuck, what do I do now? I have nothing. I gave everything for four years to this thing that isn't, you know. Uh, where do you start with that process to work through that kind of breakup in a way? Yeah, I think it starts with, you know, it's, it's a very simple yet very, very complex question. <laughs> but it's why. Why? Like, what, what void was I trying to fill by going all in on this, this thing? What did it serve for me when this was a part of my life? Um, I would argue that for a lot of people, it was just a sense of belonging that kept them there. Oh my gosh, I have something, a group of people that I can kind of relate to that tells me that they're going to support me, that we all have similar beliefs. And that alone is enough of a reason for me to be here because before this i was you know what was i doing what what is your average QAnon guy doing before QAnon? um i don't i don't know so i can't answer that but certainly it wasn't as exciting as being a part of this movement um or you have people who just need a cause who need something to you know you see antifa and you see black lives matter and they just want to oppose that um you know or you know you know QAnon has some pretty wacky conspiracy theories and maybe people are just into that the personal work starts with asking yourself what am i doing here what am i getting out of this why did i need it and where do i go from here uh because if it is that if it was just something as simple as companionship or a sense of belonging then that gives you your direction okay i need to find my people uh and and that felt like what was my people and now you know they're they're no they're in trouble like that's gonna this isn't going to end well uh so i I think that's it and it's it's one of the it's one of the things that that is really cliche about doing therapy sessions because it sounds so simple you know somebody says hey you know dr will i'm feeling this way and my question back to them is why and they're like that's what the fuck i'm paying you for tell me like i don't know (laughs) tell me help me understand it i'm in in this photo and i don't like it yeah, that's it. Uh, here I am. I don't like it. Tell me why I don't like it. And I'm like, I can make some shit up or you can help me answer this. Right. Let's figure it out. Because why is a very is a very deep, deep question. And a lot of people don't know how to ask that. And they'll try to answer it with surface level answers. Like, why? Because we wanted four more years of Trump. OK, why? Why? How does that serve you? Well, because he's making America great again. Well, explain to me how America wasn't great before and what needs to happen now and if you continue to ask that question of yourself which is literally what i get paid to do keep drilling down drilling down drilling down there's been times where i can sit in a session and just go why 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 and after five minutes of asking why they're frustrated with me because i'm just asking them why right and then after an hour of asking why they're in tears like oh my god i had never saw this before like you never took the time to ask yourself what you're doing seriously considering what you're doing. So I believe that's where it starts. It's kind of like, I've been doing a lot of writing lately, and it's one of the issues that I have with writing is, many people have with writing, 
is editing their own work because mm. they can't see the errors and the issues because looking at it, they might see like a couple of minor mistakes that need to be fixed, but they have to go through and have somebody else look at it and tear it apart. And I went that through with my developmental, my developmental editor on a, a, a novel I'm writing. And she just tore it to shreds. It was all tough love. She also pointed out the parts that she liked, but she went through it with like a fine tooth comb and said, you're not going to like what I say, but this, 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 and this. And it's things that I didn't see and I had problems actually explaining, um, which goes back to therapy sessions with going to my therapist. It's like what you're saying. Sometimes he just keeps on saying, why, why? And I don't get frustrated at him, though I might go off and suggest, hey, I don't know. Can you make some shit up? Maybe I get, it might spring something <laughs> in my head. <laughs> so I might throw that at him. That, and he might, he might go for that just to see if it'll help us things. But, um, uh, yeah. but he'll go through and try to break things down. And sometimes I'll just be sitting there like, I literally don't know. I mm-hmm. and that might be the problem with a lot of people like this. It's like they just literally don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and that that's you know, the writing example is is perfect because you know I used to have that same problem too, especially in grad school. And I would write a paper and then I would read it, and it was satisfying because what was on the paper was exactly what came out of my brain. So of course I agree with it. Like it, it can't be wrong. And how dare you tell me that this is not exactly what I was trying to say. Um, and I had to learn that this is not for you. This is for the reader. And the reader is going to interpret it in this way. So you need to learn to explain it so that the reader understands what you're trying to portray. Like you're not writing this paper for you to read it back to yourself. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of therapists will do that. Like you said, just can you just make something up? Some people will do it. Like you ever, you ever seen the show Hoarders? I saw like one episode, yeah. It's yeah, intensely it, it, distressing. So it, it, Yes, yes. And it drives me nuts because you'll have an episode where somebody will come in and like, we're in the home of Carol and she keeps uh, baby diapers and toilet paper and cat food and she won't get rid of it. And then you'll have these therapists who come and they'll give them a reason. Like the reason why you hold on to this cat food, Carol, is because you didn't have a lot of friends in high school. And you don't have a lot of friends now. And you're holding on to these things to fill the void of not having friends. And I'm, on, I'm, watching, I'm watching a show like, you don't have any friends because your fucking house is full of cat food and diapers, dude. Clean up <laughs> and people will come over. <laughs> so that irks me too, where people, like, it's not, you, you don't want to fill that void. You want people to answer that question. And sometimes the answer is, I don't know, which is powerful in itself. So if we take that back to the whole QAnon thing and I say, why are you supporting this movement? Why, do, why did you go so hard for this? And your answer is, I don't know. And that's your final answer. I'm probably just going to sit there and stare at you like, all right, well, so now what? See, because if you, can't give, if you can't give me a reason, then that means that you're just going with the flow. See, I think that's really what scares me the most in regards to my own like, thought patterns. Like I mentioned, if I was in the South, I might have been going with the flow. Up here, 
Am I going with the flow? I don't know. <laughs> um, and it's like, sometimes you just like need to get the questions figured out. Like, is it because I'm going with the flow? I want to, I want to be, I want to be strong and say it's no, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know. And, um, I'm, so it's like one of those things where I feel on the side, on the patient side, like thinking, all right, yes, I don't know. Let's try to figure out why I don't know. Um, and that's where I think some people might need help in this type of situation because it'll get broken down to, I don't know. So it's like, all right, so let's try to figure out why you don't know. What is the block yeah. that is there? Um, I think one of the most effective tools for that is being willing to play devil's advocate with yourself. Um, and this is actually a tactic that I use actually before I became a therapist, when I was still in the Marine Corps okay. and I was in, I was an intelligence chief. Um, running a shop of uh, Intel Marine. And I would take two of them and get two opposing opinions. And then I would make them switch opinions and counter argue and argue the point of the other person. Um, because I feel like if you're not at least willing to try that, then you're simply going to be arguing from a place of trying to fix somebody or talking at somebody instead of talking with them. Uh, but if you take the concerted effort of trying to argue the counterpoint, then that means that you, you, you've done your homework to figure out and probably maybe you validate how you really feel. So if you apply that to this scenario, maybe you are going with the flow. Maybe you've found this comfortable life where you live now, where things are different, and now you've adapted to that. So put yourself in the shoes of QAnon guy. Mm -hmm. And that's that. Why would I be here? What would be the purpose of me attaching to this group? What does this serve me for? Um, you know, I, I've, uh, I've done this before. I've actually had this conversation with people regarding racism. Um, I feel like, and maybe I'm just overconfident, but I feel like I could sit down and have a conversation with a person who I knew hated my guts. Because if I talk to that person long enough, I think I could find out the reason why. Right. And I hope that that reason is you don't really hate me. You hate the idea that I represent that you have been taught. You have been conditioned. And somewhere in there, there are things about me that I have been conditioned to believe as well. And that's why I believe them. Now, when we go through that whole conversation and when I settle on the fact that I still think racism is fucking stupid, at least I did the long work to answer that instead of just going with that flow, if that makes right. sense. So one of the things I want to bring up because of the high, whole entire thing is the hypocrisy of um, Blue Lives Matter. Um <laughs> with the uh with the running at with the capitol um it didn't really seem like the trump supporters cared at all about blue lives what do you think about that what do you, about the hypocrisy in general when it comes down to uh spouting beliefs and then changing them because to show your true colors that was a trip wasn't it um, yeah, it was. I have a couple of different opinions about that. Um, and one of them, I think the whole point of Blue Lives Matter was just something to say counter to Black Lives. Nobody really raised yep. Blue. Is, um, but it's one of those things like, how dare you? How dare you die? You're false. You're, 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 he stood up. He, he, 
he says that this is the reason why I'm kneeling. I talked to a veteran. Um, I'm doing it out of respect. It's silent protest. This is exactly what it stands for. And no sooner than he did that, somebody made it about disrespecting the military. Yep. So, which is, you know, completely ridiculous. But the reason why is because I dare you to be the one to badmouth veterans. You can't be that guy. So if you attach that cause to disrespect of the troops, then, you know, then the person who's spouting that rhetoric doesn't have to explain themselves. So the, the other point kind of goes to what we talked about earlier is that there are people who are really comfortable being white supremacists in this country because the president, the former president, enabled them to do that and also has created this, this, this uh, environment where I can say something and then five minutes later go, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. We're like, CNN's like, but we have you on tape saying that you said it. Like, we literally have footage of you saying that. And I can just go fake news. It didn't happen. You're misunderstanding it. It didn't happen. So the audacity of preaching blue lives matter and then <laughs> beating a police officer with American flag is like the epitome of hypocrisy. But they do it. Because they know that in this country, tomorrow they can just go, I didn't mean it. I didn't do that. Fire extinguisher. <sighs> yeah, that, that. Did you see that? The, the, I think the fire extinguisher bounced off of one guy and hit another guy. Um, How? And this is okay. But they're, they're like the, the, the entire thing, and beyond even the Blue Lives Matter thing, they think they're doing this for America at what is literally the single most symbolic American building that's ever existed, the U.S. Capitol, and we're supposed to just agree with it. I don't know. I think we've gotten we've gotten desensitized to this thing, though. You know, it's, if you have people who are willing to storm the Capitol like that and do that, it's because of the climate that's been created over the past four years. Now, one of the things that people are saying is that. The reason some of the Republican base yeah, I'm sure is coming Harry's back got a to real problem with that ten-year difference. <laughs> uh, 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 some of the reasons that the Republican base is coming back to trying to go a, a little bit, a little bit more um, left-wing or a little bit closer to the center, so to speak, is because of the ban for Trump on Twitter. And a lack of now the Parler app, which looks like it might be getting Russian backing, uh, of course. <laughs> um, how much do you think that the social media aspect is going to play in the not just the, the, the damaging process, but the healing process of the whole entire thing? Um, Biden was really talking about unity and trying to step things up. Like one of the things that I loved was that um, he's disbanded Trump's 1776 commission that was basically trying to rewrite, uh, rewrite history in favor of the whites and teach it that way for quote unquote patriotism. Um, but how do you think that we could, how do you think that they could go through now and, use social media to try to get the proper changes through because social media is one of those divisive things that people either hate it or people love it or you, you can't live with it. You can't live without it. It's 
like this podcast. It's getting the word out. You can't live with it. You can't live without it. Um, what's your thought pattern, thoughts about um, social media's play, playing on the whole entire situation at hand and how it can be used to fix things? Um, I think that that is one of the things that when we look at Donald Trump's legacy, that we can say that he probably did do right. Um, I mean, granted, the, the president of the United States should have far more important things to do than be on Twitter all day. But he definitely found a way to skip all the BS and talk directly to the people, which is what social media is designed for. Like it brings us all closer. Um, can that have been used more responsibly? Of course. Of course. It's the things that he said that end up becoming divisive. But the fact that he opened up this market to where it is now normal for high-ranking politicians all the way up to the highest office in the land to speak directly to us through social media is a thing. And I think that that is something that I hope that people take advantage of going forward. The people just want to know what's going on sometimes, right? And Twitter is more reliable, at least in this in the past four years, more reliable for accurate depiction of what's going on than the press secretary uh, useless news conference. Uh, so I think it plays a huge role. And I think it speaks to the evolution of communication. It speaks to also to the power of influence. Um, the counterpoint is that, you know, one of the things whenever, you know, the Republican base or the, you know, Trump supporters tried to get something going, like a hashtag going on trending on Twitter, then this whole community would come and just like put those those Korean dancers, like uh, <laughs> BTS and all that. Yeah, K-pop. It would be them. It, it's like every time you looked, it was just some ridiculous stuff. So uh, people are learning the power of their influence as well. And um, that speaks to such so much of a bigger idea that sounds really cool and looks great on a poster, but the people collectively really do have the power. You know, what do you think would happen? Like, and I know I'm getting off subject a little bit, but what if everybody in the United States decided, no, we're not fantastic. We're not doing it. Now, if Wesley Snipes does it, and only Wesley Snipes, they're going to go get his ass. But if all of us say, no, we're not doing it, what would be the consequence? Are they going to put the entire country in jail? What would happen? Uh, and that, like, little things like that speaks to, you know, just how powerful we are. And social media is a vehicle for us to express that. Yeah, one of the things that uh, with the one of the executive actions today was about um, making sure that anybody in federal buildings or any federal connection type things, everybody's going to be required to wear masks, at least on the federal level. One of the aspects of that is to also work through and promote the 100 days wearing a mask challenge that Biden's trying to push to try to get every American to at least wear a mask for a hundred days in a row so they could try to go through and fight everything. Um, but at the same time, just like the whole entire thing about the not paying taxes, you have a good chunk of America that doesn't want to, don't want to wear masks. Um, yeah. So it's like, what can you do about, I'm not asking you how you could fix people wearing masks because everybody should know why you should wear masks. But it's like you got a chunk of America, a large chunk of America doesn't want to wear them while others parts of it are being responsible and things like that. Um, I have friends that 
um, have had parents that have gotten COVID. Um, I've had friends that have gotten COVID. Luckily, no one has died because of it that I know personally, but it's one of those things where you're trying to make change and it's when you got a large chunk that doesn't want to break their 20, it's hard to do that. Um, yeah. But I see your point and I agree with it. Um, any other questions, Noel? No, I, uh, I can't think of any. Uh, we covered a lot of good, deep, chewy stuff. All right. Um, thank you so much for your time and, and ha- giving us a little bit out of your busy day because, you know, you're doing God's work. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate talking to you guys. I was glad to see you again. Um, you know, we, we always have good conversations. Whenever, mm-hmm. whenever you want me on the show, I'll make time because um, no, I appreciate a, a space where I can just run my mouth. Like, I, don't have to be, <laughs> yeah, I don't have to be the, pre- the professional guy. I can say what I really think. Um, and to your point about the mask, man, I think some people just want to watch the world burn. Like, you, could, you could say, hey, everybody gets a million dollars, and there'll be 10% of the country like, I'm allergic to money. I'm oppressed. I'm, uh, so Good. Yeah. Give me your money. I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, right? Yeah, we'll take it. We'll take it. <laughs> uh, um, I just also want to say, because um, to both of you, I, uh, Noel, I'm sorry about Ohio State since the last time we talked. And to oh, no. Doctor Will, going. I'm sorry about your Ravens. Um, I I am actually sorry about your Ravens because the the Thief. game was just ugh. um yeah they're gonna be okay they're gonna be they're gonna... okay you know what's, what's funny is you know that you either I talk too much on Twitter or like my my presence is growing because. <laughs> Everybody has come to be like, "Oh, we're sorry, Will. It's okay, man." It's a, <laughs> people know that I went through a grief period, but but I, I've I've grown. Like it's growth. <laughs> Normally, I would still be pouting about that, and I'd be like taking days off of work and <laughs> hitting my dog. But hey, now no. hey. don't hit the dog. <laughs> no, no, no. His his name is Raven. He he, he will not be touched. He will not. Be <laughs> um, but. Yeah, I'm okay with it because I see the positives. It was a tough season, COVID and all of that stuff. And I'm already looking forward to what they do next year. So I'm proud of myself. I've grown. I'm I'm no longer, I don't want to hurt anybody. Noel, have you grown since the Buckeyes lost? Um, I was okay with everything that happened when Najid Harris said that they were, you know, effortless. They were blowing my ass up all night. Off the cuff, on camera, How... in his presser after the game. We literally left nothing, nothing behind. What hurt what hurt the Buckeyes was Trey Sermons getting taken out of the game that early. He had just gotten hot. He was our main ground pounder for points. So we lost a huge part of our offense. And Alabama is a damn fine team, even if I dislike Saban. <laughs> All right. So that that being said, um, visit us at xcrubzonepodcast.com uh, for all the information that you need. Uh, I want to thank again Dr. Will for joining us t- this evening. And a yep. And that being said, we're going to go through and kick out the bots. My name is Noel. 
Um, my, <laughs> my name is my name is Bill. Yes, my name is Bill. Um, but, and I'm the one who's drinking, so we have problems. Slow down. My name is Chad. <laughs> don't be Chad. Don't be. Yeah. Don't be a Chad. We all have an X chromosome. Son, Holy Ghost. 